All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are for season two, another bonus episode. We don't really have an off season here at the Slightly Above Average Football Fan, just like all football teams and programs nowadays. It's a year round thing, so we're going to talk probably year round. More bonus episodes to come, maybe some with just me like tonight where I'm going to be flying solo, some with me and Thomas, some with me and a guest, maybe some with Thomas and a guest. Who knows? We'll keep it fun and interesting during the off season. But I wanted to talk a little bit about draft reaction. The NFL draft in Las Vegas just wrapped up uh, a day or so ago, depending on when you're listening to this. But I wanted to talk winners. Uh, I wanted to talk about the draft in general. And I want to talk about teams in college football after all we are more of a college football podcast and how the draft impacts the next season so let's get started and let's talk about the nfl draft who were the winners that's always the the grades and and that sort of thing i feel like i always try to break it into who were the winners so to me the two new york teams really won in this draft starting off with the new york jets you pick up a great DB, a DB that was highly sought after, uh, elite DB, has that confidence, it factor, uh, that Dion mentality. Hopefully for the Jets and the Jets fans, he has that Dion talent and ability. But Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati was their first draft pick, a, a really highly sought after player. Very good defensive back, uh, a lot of athleticism, a lot of explosiveness, change of direction. Looks like he can do it. You know, the thing about being a defensive back is you have to have a short memory. And a part of that is you got to be super confident in your ability. And Sauce Gardner 100% does not uh, hurt for confidence, let's say. So he is going to, you know, really be someone that they'll be watched in the mini camps and then rookie camp and and then finally training camp when they get around to that. Um, Again, I really think confidence is key. We'll talk about that <clears throat> with the New York Giants and their first pick when I get to them. But so much of it is knowing how talented you are. But then the other piece is there's knowing how talented you are and still having an amazing work ethic, which I think you have to have in the NFL, or being so confident that you don't think you have to work hard. So we'll find out about that. Obviously, their next pick, um, Garrett Wilson, great Great wide receiver out of Ohio State, highly, highly thought of and sought after again. Very athletic Ohio State's wide receivers this draft were the the cream of the crop. You know, to me, I think if you've got him or Chris Olave, you know, you really had uh, a, a great chance of having great players come into your wide receiver room. And they certainly got that. So I think the Jets won there. Bryce Hall out of Iowa State, a player we saw a lot and broke down a couple times with our Slightly Above Average Football Fan podcast weekly breakdown. He's a talented, talented back. So obviously the Jets, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner was to address some defense, but they also got some weapons for Zach Wilson, who will be going into his second year. Here's my question with Zach Wilson and this offense and these new players. Can this offensive line protect him? Can they open holes for whoever's at running back? This was a a quarterback who was sacked the third most times in the NFL at 44 times. So as much as the question of he needs weapons, I always go back to who's blocking for him. 
So will they have someone who's going to help keep him upright, give him the time he needs? Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch a lot of the New York Jets this season and, you know, this past season. So some of those sacks are coverage sacks. Maybe he didn't have the explosive players he needed to get open. And of course, he's a rookie quarterback. So it's a tough thing to get used to the windows of the NFL. And what I mean by that is that window to throw the ball in is so much smaller. What's considered open in the NFL as opposed to college is a lot smaller. That's why accuracy and quick release is so vital in the NFL for a successful quarterback. But the Jets did what they could to get weapons and also help out their defense for Zach Wilson in his second year. Again, I thought the other real winning team was the same. New York City football team, uh, this time the Giants. They got a huge win. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon was there for them. There was times when he was thought of as the number one pick. Supposedly, apparently, if you if you believe what you read on the internet or or whatever, his his attitude, his cockiness, um, impacted his draft status. There were there were questions about him being a good teammate, a hard worker, those types of things that are always the thing that as a as a GM, as the leader of a football organization, might make you nervous. I said it was Sauce. I believe it with him as well. Which, by the way, just for a second, Sauce Gardner, Sauce as a first name is is just outstanding like top-notch first team all-name team right there back to to Kayvon Thibodeau again I I think confidence is key Tom Brady is confident Tom Brady is so confident that when he was drafted in the sixth round of the 199th pick he knew and told everybody hey I'm going to be a star I'm going to be a leader on this team I'm going to be the starter I'm going to take us to greatness and Lo and behold, he did. Tom Brady, you know, has immense talent, but he also had immense confidence in himself. And the other factor I think that's key, a hard work ethic. He's he, If you've watched any of the stuff on uh, Man in the Arena on ESPN+, Plus, which has been outstanding, or really read anything about him, he was always wanting to put in work. He was always wanting to get better and show that he was as good uh, to everybody else as he thought he could be. But that came with a lot of hard work and determination. And so the question with these guys who project so much confidence, are they going to be able to then go do the work? Also, I think with a city like New York, the question is always, will they stay focused? New York City has a lot of, let's call them distractions, that could easily get a young football player or a young athlete or even a young professional off track and not doing what they need to do to be successful. So those things will obviously be key. All right, obviously, you again, uh, with the, the Giants, they had a great offensive line pick, in my opinion, with, with Evan Neal. I think he's a great pick for that line to help shore up that OL. And then I really love the Waynedale Robinson out of Kentucky pick. He is a Swiss Army knife. Uh, you know, if, if Debo Samuel last year of the 49ers and, you know, now he's he might be looking for a new team or is trying to get a new team or maybe has considered going back to San Francisco, whatever the case may be, his versatility became a hot topic that he could do so much. He could play running back, even get into the backfield, not even just a jet sweep, sweep situation, and then also catch passes and yards after the catch and yards after contact and all of those things. So the NFL, much like almost any other professional sports league, is is a see-do league. Oh, you're having success with that type of player? I want that type of player. So you're going to go try and find him. I think he is a very good player and and has that, that – uh, factor of the fact that he's diverse as an athlete. He can do a lot of different things. So I think that's a great pick there. 
uh, I'd be remiss as an Eagles fan if I didn't bring up the Eagles. Not only do I think uh, they had a really good draft when you factor in the the trade that they made that was, in my opinion, just awesome, but I think they made some great picks. Obviously, the first pick of Jordan Davis out of Georgia, who was just mammoth, and everybody was wowed by his speed at the combine along with his strength is a great pick. But then trading that second first-round pick to get A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans was just a great move. You know, the Eagles have needed a top flight wide receiver to go along with their rookie, Devontae Smith out of Alabama, who had a great rookie season. You know, Jalen Hurts, questions of can he be the long-term starter there? Is he Does he have that ability? Again, back to like a Zach Wilson situation, I think the Eagles did a great job of saying, okay, we're going to surround you with some weapons. We're not going to have the excuse of he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to or get the ball to to help him. So that was a great uh, move there. Then you have N'Kobe Dean out of also Georgia. A great pick. And before that, you had the pick of the center in the second round. And everybody's upset and demoting. Oh, we should have gotten Dean. We should have gotten Dean. Lo and behold, third third round, he's still there. I guess Howie Roseman took a little gamble there and ended up getting him a round later, which means saved him some money on that rookie contract, which is, to me, uh, an A-plus move as a GM. So you have to give uh, Howie Roseman uh, his credit there for the moves he made during that draft. So – I think the Jets and the Giants were, were really the winners there. The question is, is it going to matter? Uh, you know, historically, the Jets and Giants, other than the, the Giants with Eli Manning, and of course, before that with Phil Simms and the Bill Parcells era and LT and all that, here of late have, have fallen on their faces. The Jets, of course, have kind of been like that for what seems like forever. So great draft, but is it going to pan out? That's going to be the question on everybody's mind, obviously. Uh, now let's let's turn our attention for just a second to college football. So Georgia had the most players drafted. University of Georgia had the most players drafted in the draft, 15 players. So if you're a Gamecock fan like me or a Georgia fan or a Tennessee fan or maybe even Alabama fan, you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of players to replace. And you're right, it is. But here's the thing. Georgia had the number four recruiting class last year. Number four. So there's players waiting in the wings. All right. Same with LSU. LSU, who had a bad season, had 10 players drafted. They ranked just ahead of Georgia in the last year's recruiting class at number three. Then you have Alabama, who had seven players drafted this year. They were number one last year in recruiting with a total of seven five-star players. So you know, as a fan, you sit and you go, wow, Georgia, Georgia's lost a lot. They, they got a lot to make up for next season. And they do. And there's, and it's not to say that a guy like Jordan Davis comes along every day or N'Kobe Dean comes along every day because they don't, but they certainly have the tools and the players waiting in the wings to go, well, we just, we reload, we don't rebuild. So that I think is something that is always interesting to me because as a Gamecock fan and fans, you know, trying to make that next step up, you start thinking, oh, they lost a lot. They lost a lot. Yeah, they're bringing in a lot too. So the question of can you keep it rolling? Obviously, Nick Saban and Alabama have shown that they can for quite some time now. Uh, Georgia seems loaded and and you know ready for the long haul. We'll see how that works. And that that's the thing. You also I mentioned this with the New York draft picks and 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 distractions. We also always hear about the pressure. Like take example Philly. You know you had two players from Georgia drafted there: Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. The question is, you know, Philly fans are notorious for being hard to please 
and will quickly turn on you, you know, famously booing Santa Claus and things of that nature. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you're not living up to what your expectation is in Georgia, they'll turn on you pretty quick in Athens. These guys have played in pressure situations in the SEC at Georgia where much was expected. They have been chopping at the bit down in Athens for a national championship since 1980, and they got it. So these guys have played high-pressure stuff. It's going to pay dividends, in my opinion. I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked as an SEC player a lot of times. When you see guys who come out of college, those SEC schools, the Big Ten schools, in my opinion, the Michigans, the Ohio States, they have those high expectations. Yeah, they love you because you're you're a Michigan man or you're a Buckeye or you're a Gamecock or you're a Bulldog or you're a member of the Crimson Tide or you're a Bayou Bengal. <clears throat> they love you when you're playing well. They love you when they're playing well. So the pressure of the SEC, I think we talked about the talent level a lot, but the pressure of the SEC from the fans, the media, I think is comparable to some of these high-level pressure situations in the NFL. Again, you know, just wanted to take a second and talk NFL draft with everybody. The thing I always think about when we talk about draft grades and players is the 2000 New England Patriots draft. Tom Brady was taken in the sixth round with the 199th pick. It's famous now. We've all talked about it, and we've all talked about this and that and the other. If you go back and you look at the 2000 draft, no one said he's a steal. No one even said he's a steal. There was, you know, the questions of durability, the questions of athleticism, the questions, you know, Drew Henson split time with him as a senior when Tom was a senior as a starter. So, no one was sitting there going, wow, Patriots stole one here. They stole one here. And now here we are all this time later. And Tom Brady's the most successful quarterback, most accomplished quarterback we've ever seen. No one thought that in 2000. No one would have predicted that. No one could have predicted that, maybe other than Tom Brady. But the thing about it is that's why these these draft grades and, and you know, oh, they missed on this guy or they should have gone here – we don't know. We just simply don't know the situation, the timing, all of those things. Again, <clears throat> speaking of timing, Drew Bledsoe doesn't take that hard hit against the Jets and Mo Lewis, I believe. Does Tom Brady become Tom Brady? And, and you know, life is hard to predict, but football is even harder to predict. So as much as we sit and we go, well, they should have drafted this player. Oh, man, they got, they got a lock there. Great pick. Speaking of pulling picks apart or picking them apart, number 20, I believe it was, you had Kenny Pickett going to the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. His big knock is his hand size. His hand size is too small. That's what we keep hearing about. His hands are small. He can't do it. Well, he's been doing it for quite some time now. Hand size is what we're talking about. And everybody's calling him a bust. He's a you know potential backup. You know The Steelers are going to be so frustrated that they took this pick and yada, yada, yada. I, I hope. I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm an Eagles fan. Unless we play each other in the Super Bowl, I hope the Steelers have success with Kenny Pickett. Because a guy like that to be picked apart about the size of his hands, give me a break. Like, he's a football player. He can throw the football. He's very, very, very good at it. So I, I really want him to be successful because I think hand size is the most ridiculous thing to use to predict to predict a player's success or failure. Yes, I understand. If his hands are small, it may be more likely to knock that ball out when you have a sack or you're, you know, you're the, the shrimp sack from behind when he's got the ball up on the shoulder. Sure. Is that possible? Okay, maybe. Maybe it's easier than it is a guy with bigger hands, but it doesn't mean the ball is just going to jump out of his hand like it's a greased uh, watermelon. 
Like, let's not be ridiculous. And then <clears throat> they talk about the weather conditions in Pittsburgh. Everybody knows he played at Pittsburgh, right? He played for the University of Pittsburgh. He's a Pitt, he, he, he's a Pitt Panther. Played at the same stadium as the Steelers, I believe, if, I, if they're still playing there. I think they are. Like, are we we're sure we all know that, right? Okay. Because the weather, just because you're playing on Sunday instead of Saturday, doesn't mean the weather's usually all that different. It might rain instead of raining on Saturday. It might be you know, a couple degrees colder. But it's not 70 degrees and warm, no wind on Saturday. And typically, then 40 degrees, freezing cold, rain, wind on Sunday. Can it happen? Sure. But it's not all that common especially when a guy's played in the same stadium he knows the win like it's just an absurd argument i hope and wish kenny pickett the most success of any quarterback that's been drafted in the past couple of years i want him to be rookie of the year quite honestly i want him to set records for completion percentage yards and touchdowns like let's set the league on fire kenny go out there and have a great great season i'm pulling for you and i hope others are too because i just think it's ridiculous all right so like I said, this was a quick one. Uh, I hope you enjoyed just kind of hearing my thoughts on the draft, players that were taken, winners, uh, and, you know, how it impacts college football and how just the wheel keeps spinning. It's going to keep spinning. You know, Georgia's going to keep getting better, most likely. The NIL deals have changed things. You know, we have players that are supposedly transferring because they can get a better NIL deal in another place then they can, uh, you know, speaking of Pitt, their best wide receiver is, is allegedly transferring to Southern Cal because he can get a better NIL deal out there. And, of course, with the transfer portal, he can do that and not have to sit out. We, we've gotten to the wild, wild west of college football. You know, I, I heard for the first time uh, transfer tampering. You didn't even used to hear that phrase in college football. It's a new era. And is it a better era? We don't know. I don't know. I, th I think it's a slippery slope. I've been saying that since this all started. Let me be clear again. I believe and feel college football players and college athletes in general deserve to be compensated. They deserve to be paid for what they're doing, particularly when it comes to their likeness, their name, a jersey that's clearly got their number and last name on it or is intended to, to represent that, the ability to sign autographs, make appearances. All of those things should be something they can make money off of. It absolutely should be. I Do I love these ideas of these different organizations popping up to, to just pay people players salaries that I understand it. And I, and I think players deserve some kind of compensation, but like I said, we're on a very slippery slope right now. And the NCAA is just really fighting an uphill battle. I mean, who's to say in five years, they're not obsolete, that that doesn't exist anymore that the power conferences run their own football and they agree to have national championships played between them. I don't know. Do we dis do we disassemble an NCAA and make a new power five, you know, league? I don't know. It's just, it's something that will be something we can discuss as we continue to watch it play out. But the, the landscape of college football has changed dramatically during the draft a player or one of excuse me one of the announcers talked about tom brady's senior year at michigan and how he was having to trade out you know they would start him i believe in the first quarter play hinson in the next quarter and then at halftime would car would make a decision of who was going to go in in the second half and you know the comment was made well nowadays tom brady would transfer he had left maybe he would have but I think that adversity, that having to show and prove, hey, I'm, I'm better than you're giving me credit for, helped make Tom Brady Tom Brady. 
I think having to overcome that was something that changed him fundamentally. I mean, he's talked about getting a sports psychologist. He's talked about how it impacted him. And it made him have this toughness, in my opinion, and this work ethic that if he transfers to another school back home in California or something, and even if he's super successful, is he still the same Tom Brady? I don't know that he is. So that's the other side of this, this, well, I'm not getting a fair shake. And of course, if you're not getting something fair, then I I understand transferring. I was telling somebody I was talking to last night, I think the rule definitely should be your head coach leaves, or maybe even your position coach, your quarterback, your quarterback coach leaves, whatever. You should be able to transfer and not have to sit out. If the guy recruiting you or brought you to that school, is like, hey, I'm out the door. He doesn't have to sit out. You shouldn't have to either. Totally agree with that. But I do think there's got to be some changes in there. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure and follow us on social media at, at SAA Football Fan, at SAA Football Fan. All right. And we will talk to you soon.